Hey, I'm Darren, and I was recently part of the Levator 4 event at Regenesis in Petersburg, and we did a bunch of demoing on houses. It was going to be used for dormitories in Regenesis clients, and then it meant a lot to me knowing that I was part of something that could help change people's lives. When we started, like all the houses were really messed up, and they were not livable at all. Then we finished, we got everything cleaned up, and everything was basically ready to just be fixed and then sold. It made me feel pretty good that I got to help in something that can help the community. Isn't that great to see our young people being served out there on their street? Thank you. That's exciting, man. Man, how about that choir and orchestra? I'm going I'm to try next week, see, ne see if next week maybe they can do something a little pick-me-up, you know? A little bit of, you know, get us revived. Man, they're, they're, aren't they awesome just week in and week out? Aren't you grateful for what they do to help us see the Lord, worship the Lord, and, and enjoy His goodness? Hey, it's good to see everybody here this morning. We've had a, an exciting morning here at the Heights as we are continuing now, working our way through the whole Bible this year. It's, you know, I've been saying that for like, well, a whole year and it's kind of funny to think, man, next Sunday we, we start our last volume. Uh, if you're new to our church, so we've, been, we've been going through the, the whole Bible, in, and we're, when it's all done, it'll be 42 messages. And here, I've been following a curriculum in our life groups. They've been following a curriculum that is made up of seven uh, or six, what is it, seven, six volumes? Yeah, oh, yeah, this is volume six. I'm looking at, shouldn't it be five? We're in five. Next week, we start volume six, but six volumes of seven lessons. And obviously, covering the whole Bible in 42 weeks is not an in-depth look, but rather kind of flying over the landscape, seeing the big pieces and how they all kind of come together and work together and really seeing the beauty of, of the consistency, the constancy of, of who the Lord is and what He's doing through every book of the Bible. So next week we'll be in the last volume, which is Acts through Revelation. I imagine some of you have already gotten this in life group this morning. If you need to get a volume and weren't in life group, you can get them in our, in our concourse also. The last one, $7. And I've been asked, well, if I didn't get the others, would this be, would I want this one? I, I would say yes. I mean, that you'll, you'll have some good Bible studies and get a good picture of about half the New Testament of Acts through Revelation. You'll probably be tempted to go and get the other five volumes once you see how one of these works. They're, it's been a great tool for us. We've had a good year doing this, haven't we? Have you all enjoyed going through the whole Bible? That's awesome. 27 of us have had a great time with that, so that's exciting. So today, as I just so Acts through Revelation next week, today we're finishing the Gospels. We've been there for seven weeks. Now, you might think, I thought we finished the Gospels last week, because last week we looked at the resurrection, and that, that kind of feels like the end of the, the story. Jesus has been resurrected, but right before Jesus ascended into heaven, he spoke some really, really important words to you, to me, words that are really to be very directive of, well, every single day of our lives. And those words he spoke are, are the words that inspired what, what is one of the six core values 
uh, of our family here at this church, the, he- the Heights family. You know, we have values. We, we, have, we have more than a few. We have lots of values because we have values in all the areas of our life. We have, we have certain values in our finances, and that kind of governs how we do that. We, we have values at work and how we do that. We have, we have values for our church. Hey, this is what I value in my church experience, what I, what I value and what I'm looking for in a church. So we have values in all kinds of areas. But when I use the phrase core value, I am talking about those two, three, four, five values that kind of rise above, and they're not just governing in one area, that they're governing across the board, that they impact, they affect everything. And, and here at the Heights, we have six core values, and one of those is we live to tell. We live to receive and live in that commission that Christ has put on us. We live to be that witness that Jesus has called us to be. And what I want to do this morning a little bit differently than, say, the curriculum, instead of just looking at those few verses that end each of the Gospels, I kind of want to show you how this is really something that happens all the way through Scripture. I want to I throw a whole bunch of verses at you at one time, mow you down with the Bible. Uh, you know, when I do that from time to time, I'll just, man, here's 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 passages. The reason I do that is so that you see, hey, this word, this idea It appears in the Old Testament, it appears in the New Testament, it appears over and over and over. It's the kind of thing where in a few minutes you go, oh, I guess this is a big deal to God. I I guess it's something he really wants us to get. So that's how I want us to start with our our study this morning at, at our task, our identity on this earth. So look up here, we'll start with Psalm 89. It says, with my mouth, now let me stop right there. First of all, in all these verses, I want you to look at the role of the mouth. Sometimes people say, well, I hope my life leads people to the Lord. Well, it probably won't. Now, what your life, how you live can do is it can be an attractant. It can be a lure. It can be something that opens the conversation. But, but people are not going to be saved by how I live. They're going to be saved by the word of the gospel. And, and, and so you, you're going to see, watch this all the way through. It's about something that ultimately we are saying. Hey, with my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. Out of this mouth, I will be telling people, kids to grandparents, man, I find God faithful. And finding new ways, new reasons to communicate that each and every week. Psalm 96, declare. How do you declare? With, with your mouth. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. You know, in all these verses, you're going to see over and over and over. Peoples, nations, the world. Most of us probably, <laughs> how am I going to share with the world? I, I, hey, you know what? Be faithful with the person that's in front of you and watch where God takes that word. And, and, and watch how it can be something that goes throughout, throughout the earth. Next, next verse, Isaiah 43, really important. Everyone who is called by my name. Now, my guess is not every single person in here calls themselves a Christian. But, but it would also be my guess that many, many, many of us do call ourselves Christians, right? Okay, y'all, you just got to wake up now and come along with me here a little bit. Just a little bit better than this. This is the last service. This is 1045. I expect more from y'all. Yeah, we, we would say, I am a Christian. Well, that what I just said is, I am called by the name of Christ, right? 
When, when I'm saying I'm a Christian, I am called by the name of Christ. So if you say you are a Christian, if you don't, this verse doesn't apply to you. But if you would say, I am a Christian, well, every one of you who says that, you are my witnesses. The word witness is not a word just applied to a missionary or a pastor or some person you think of as a super saint. Hey, if you claim the name of Christ, you are my witnesses. Matthew 4, 19, Jesus said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. When you follow me, the product of that following is that you're going to be catching people for me. Now, I would not suggest that is the only sign of somebody that is following Christ. The only thing that that shows I'm following Jesus. But boy, it's the thing Jesus said, isn't it? If you're following me, there's going to be a product. You're going to be catching people for me. Next passage, Mark, Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Much like it, Mark 16, 15, Jesus said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. He, he wants every one of us living at our address, having a mindset of the whole world. Next passage, Luke eight thirty nine. Jesus said to him, declare how much God has done for you. Did you do that this week? Declare how much God has done for you. That's a, that is a command that my Savior has spoken into my life. You know, if you're like me, you get to the, uh, the end of a day, you get to the end of a week, you look back over it and think, I sinned this week, right? Man, there's some things I, I did I should not have done. There's some things I should have done. I know God was telling me to do that, and, and I didn't do that. And, and so a lot of us at that point, we're, we're gonna, when we become aware of that, we're going to confess, right? Hey, hey Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. That wasn't exactly the truth I said over there. Hey, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry for how I responded to that person. Lord, I'm sorry I didn't do this. And if you're like me, you, you, you've got a, a set of sins that you kind of repeat over and over a lot. Now, there, there's two reasons for that. One is because we repeat the same sins over and over a lot, right? But a second reason is because this is a little bit more convicting. The second reason we repeat the same sins over and over and over is because we take a really shallow look at the sins in our lives. The moment I've said, oh, I, I, did, I did those one, two, three things, I'm, I'm good, I've confessed, And we really don't look at all the Bible has called you. And folks, that's a command. Declare how much God has done for you. Now, it doesn't say every 24 hours. It doesn't say after 48, if you haven't done this, you're a sinner. But folks, an ongoing activity, an ongoing a part of our conversation is to declare how good God is. If I'm not doing that, I have sinned. How many times have you said, hey, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm really not declaring how good you are. Man, Lord, not only am I not declaring it, it's, it's not even on my radar. I mean, I, I guess I would have to say I don't even care. I don't even care to tell others how, how good you are. That's a command in our lives to, to declare that. Luke 24, this is the passage we looked at last week. Jesus said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations over and over and over Beginning in Jerusalem, you are 
witnesses of these things. What are the words over and over? Out of my mouth, witnesses, nations, peoples. Next passage, Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Now look at this. In Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. This one actually kind of gives us a, an order. It, it gives us how we're to do this. You're to have them. I mean, if Jesus was saying this to you and me today, he would say this. Hey, you're my witnesses in Richmond. You're my witnesses in Virginia and the United States. And, and you're my witnesses throughout the whole earth. Now, notice there's no or in that passage. You're my witness in Richmond, and a whole lot of you will do that, or you can be my witness kind of with a mindset of the state, and they, or you can be like a missionary that goes and lives. There's no or. You are to be a witness in all three of those areas. And that might, how am I supposed to be in three places at one time? Folks, it's a heart. It's a mindset. And then we start looking how we can put flesh to that heart and that mindset. Hey, praying. Am I praying for the advancement of the gospel in all three of those? You know, one thing I do, I mean, obviously Richmond area, when I think about praying for the gospel, I pray for states and colleges that have been connected to my family for the last 50 years. I mean, hey, those are places that have been important to us, a part of our life. So those become, I pray about the advancement of the gospel. I pray for nations that I've either been to on a, on a mission trip or on vacation. I, 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 because I, when I call those nations, images come to my mind. And so I can pray for them, and I, and I see places, and I, and I see people. In our prayer, in our giving, do I give to where the gospel goes, locally, around our nation, and around the world? And I, boy, folks, I think if you can move, you ought to be looking for opportunity that your feet actually end up in all three of those places. This is, this is what we've been called to do. One, one, uh, let's go next. I love this passage. There are some just really beautiful ideas in this passage of 2 Corinthians 5. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now reconcile is not a word we use a lot except that it is. We don't use the word reconcile. We use the word friendship. That's what reconcile means. It means to bring two people who are not friends and make them friends again. They've made up their friends. You are an enemy of God. In your sin, in our rebellion, in our rejection, we are enemies. But at the love of Christ, at the initiative of God, God moved. We didn't move. We didn't change. God moved. He initiated and brought about a reconciliation. He brought about an opportunity for me to be a friend of God again. And if I have received friendship from God, would anybody in here say, I'm a friend of God. I've received that friendship that Jesus won from me. Well, then you've been given a ministry of friendship. You've been given a ministry of going into the world and letting people know, hey, you've been a friend with God. He's not going to count your sins against you. God has, look at that phrase, entrusted to you. You're going to walk into your place of business. You're going to walk into that school. You're going to walk into that neighborhood, into that situation, into that relationship. And God has entrusted you. If you thought, God, man, I'm trusting you with this. I'm going to give this to you. God has entrusted to you this message. Therefore, we are ambassadors. That's a big name. 
That's a big title, and that's what you are. You are an ambassador from heaven, an ambassador of the government of God. You are an ambassador for Christ, making his appeal. God is making an appeal through you. Can you think of anybody, a name, a face, that you sure hope God is trying to reach? You sure know God needs to reach. That guy's, woo. You know, God does want to reach him. God does want to appeal to that person, and he wants to do it through you. He, he put you there. Why am I in this place? I hate this job. I, I, I love my job, by the way. I'm just speaking rhetorically. <laughs> but, you know, these are things. Why am I here? Do you think God put you there? Because there's somebody he wants to make an appeal to through you. One more passage, 1 Peter 3. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared. You might have a fever of 101. It might be raining outside. You may have just found out you're not getting the promotion. You, it may be your birthday and all your friends there are celebrating you and it's the best day ever. Whenever it is, you are prepared, you are ready to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. You know, I, it's one of my favorite verses. I've read that verse for years and years and years, and I just, it's something just dawned on me this morning. I've been working on this verse all week long as I prepare my message, and just this morning it dawned on me, hey, if somebody's going to ask me about the hope in me, that probably means they noticed a hope in me, right? People don't ask you about something you aren't, something you don't have. People ask, hey, what is that? Well, how would people know I have that hope? Well, just see all the other verses we've looked at this morning. If I'm declaring God's faithfulness, if I'm declaring the good that he has done, people start to say, hey, do you actually know that guy? <laughs> do you know him? Can you tell me about that hope? Listen, folks, I can keep going, right? You know that. Verse after verse, command after command, you are, I am, we are to be witnesses to who God is and to what he has done in our life. Witnessing is not something we do in the Christian faith. It's the thing we do in the Christian faith. Do you realize every other command, every situation in your life is little more than the context by which you will be that witness? That's all you're on earth for. Try to grasp that for just a second. All you are on this planet, if, if you claim the name of Christ, if you, if you possess his friendship, then you are here to be that witness. Let, let, me, let me go back. I want to I show you another, uh, go back to a verse I just quoted. I'm going to add a verse to it. Matthew 28, Jesus came to them and said, all authority, hold on to that word, those two words, all authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, out of that authority, Jesus is saying, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. If you've been around church for very long, if you've been doing this Christian thing for very long, you know we call this first what? The Great, the great Commission. Uh, if you're new to the Bible, new to the Christian faith, that verse kind of rises up into, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's appropriate to make a list, but maybe like our top five verses in the Bible. I mean, we have a great command, the great command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. Does that sound familiar? We have a great command. We have a great commission. Go, go into all 
the world. I mean, this is a big one. This is what governs our existence on planet Earth. Go, go be my witnesses. And so this great commission, we don't, we don't actually use the word commission a lot, I, I think, in our culture. I mean, I doubt you used that word one time this past week. That's not a normal part of vocabulary. Maybe, maybe one place in our culture that that would be used would, would be in the military. A, an officer is commissioned. Now, that word commission has got a very simple definition. It is a warrant that gives authority. I am giving you a warrant that bestows on you authority. Well, now the only person who can give authority is somebody who, you got to have authority. I can't give you any authority if I don't have the authority. So generally speaking, for obvious reasons, it is a higher ranking officer that that will then commission a, a new officer or an officer into a new position. Somebody with the authority gives that warrant, gives that commission. Are you seeing where I'm going? You do realize you have a higher-ranking officer in your life. And folks, you and I, we're, we're actually directly connected to the commander-in-chief. Not of the United States. Like of the whole universe. Right? He is the commander-in-chief of the entire universe. And he gives to you authority. And you think, why? Do I, do I need authority? I want you to watch the logic of what just happened there. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, who gives you the right to say that? Who, who gives you the authority to determine how somebody is forgiven? Or, or who is going to... I mean, that's a fair question. Who, who, who are you to say that's the way it is? Who gives you that authority? Oh, I'm glad you asked. The commander of the universe. That's who gives me the authority. You actually have been given authority. You have been given a right. Listen to this, folks. Gosh, this ought to be the most mind-blowing thing in our lives. I have the authority to speak on behalf of heaven. That's not an idea. That's an actual thing. I have the authority to speak on behalf of God. I mean, it said God's making an appeal through my mouth. God's making an appeal through me. I have the authority to talk about how forgiveness of sins can take place in your life. I have the authority to talk literally about death and hell. I have the authority to talk about how you can know God. I have been commissioned. I have been given that authority. I want to, folks, when we talk about witnessing, I mean, first of all, it is, it is a task. It, it, it is an event. I mean, I, I, I can come home at the end of the day and I, I can tell Karen, hey, I, I, I got to share the gospel with somebody today or I, I got to witness with somebody today. Okay, now when I'm saying that, I'm talking about an, something, an event, an activity that happened. It had a beginning and it had an end. And it's over. I'm eating dinner now. I'm not witnessing. I'm eating dinner. So in that sense, witnessing is this event. You go, you do it, it's over. But it's more than event. It's more than, and that's what I was saying a moment, it's more than something we do in the Christian faith. Folks, a witness is our identity. I, I am a witness in every single place. I am a witness in every single relationship. I, I am, I'm a witness in every single situation. That is who and what we are. That, that is what we are to be. Now, a witness, that word in the, in the Greek language is the word marturos. I don't know if you pick up, we, we actually have a word in the English language that comes out of marturos. It's the word martyr. 
What's a martyr? A martyr is somebody who dies for a cause, right? Now, think about melding those two words together because you can be a witness for something and not be ready to die for it. I mean, I would imagine there's going to be a lot of witnesses in a court of law this week around the United States that have been summoned there to give a witness of what they saw, what they heard, what they know. And, and they will obediently go before the court and they will give that witness. That doesn't mean they're willing to die for it, right? No, we're talking about something much more than just re- revealing something I, I happen to know. It, it becomes a passion of our life. And it's because it's a passion, 1 Peter 3.15, that we're actually ready to share it at a moment's notice. We would stake our lives on this. And the reality is that's not true for most of us when it comes to Jesus. We love him. He's our God. Might even say he's everything, but in most conversations... On a moment's notice or a day's notice or a week's notice, I'm, I'm not going to talk about him. There, there's not going to be a passion that, that drives me to talk about him. I've got other passions that I'm ready to talk about no matter how sick I am. It, you know, it, if you stop me, I'll stop and talk about Aggie football. That doesn't take me in it. You don't have to say, hey, pastor, I'm going to see you tomorrow. Would you talk with me for a few minutes about Texas A&M football? I'll do it right now. And, you know, there's something I'm even more ready to talk about than Aggie football. My kids and my grandkids. Hey, you stop and ask me about my kids or my grandkids. I promise you, a few minutes into it, you'll be thinking, I didn't want to know all that. Does this have an end? Is there an off-ramp to this story? <laughs> you know, but, but you know why I get carried? Because, man, that's, I love them, and, and that's my passion. Now, I wouldn't say that I love Jesus any less. As a matter of fact, I'd like to say I love Jesus much more than Aggie football. I love Jesus much more than my kids and my grandkids. So why is it not so natural for me just to take off and, and, and let it come? I mean, there's, there's a lot of reasons I think that happens in our lives. I mean, I, I, I think one reason is we're just afraid. I'm, I'm not afraid of talking about my kids. I'm not afraid of your response to that. But we, we are afraid of talking about Jesus. We're, we're afraid of being made fun of. We're afraid of being rejected. Maybe similar to fear, but really kind of another thing is I, I, don't, I don't always know what I would say. You know, what if they ask a question? Almost nobody wants to be put in a situation where I'm going to look stupid. None of us is willingly going to enter something where I know I'm going to be asked a question and I'm not going to be able to answer it and I'm going to feel dumb. Nobody wants to enter that. And and when it comes to witnessing, I think a lot of us are going to feel like that that's what's going to happen. I mean, I'd like to say something, but this person's really smart or this person's really mean. Hey, you know, there there is. There is a complexity to witnessing. And most anybody I know that witnesses wants to get better at it. They want to learn. They want to learn more verses. They they want to learn to answer some of those questions that always come up. They want to learn to, to deal with that. There are difficult people. There are difficult questions, difficult situations. But folks, in that complexity, we are giving away a thousand places that witnessing is so very simple. You know, I was thinking, when, when Paul wrote, when Peter wrote, when Jesus said, you are my witnesses, I just started thinking this week, who's the crowd he's talking to? Do you know they're all illiterate? So we don't even think about literacy. Literacy is so common today, we don't even really think about it anymore. I guarantee you, 
If there was 100 people listening to Jesus, 99 of them couldn't read. They couldn't read. They had not been to a Bible study. They had not been to a training that they hadn't organized a presentation. And Jesus, right here, right now, you go be my witness. Well, what is he telling them if they haven't done all the things we think you have to do in order to go and be a witness? Folks, we're making a witness a 20-minute presentation. A witness can be one sentence. One sentence. Hey, you know what? You can be friends with God. You have to look for the place, the time in which you would say that one sentence to that person. Hey, you can be friends with God. Hey, you know what? You can be forgiven of sins. I know you're carrying that guilt. I know you're hurting. You can be forgiven of that. Hey, God has done this for me. One sentence. And you can be a faithful witness. And don't limit what God will do with one sentence. I want to share uh, two Two witnessing stories. They're, they're two of my favorite. I've shared them both before. I've shared them in here. Uh, I, hope, I hope it kind of sounds familiar. Maybe for some of you, you will not have heard of them. But the reason I share these two stories together is because of how entirely different they are. How absolutely opposite they are. But what ends up being some of the same feelings, emotions, results in, in my life. You know, when we think of witnessing, we think about what we're going to do for another, what we're going to share with another or give to another. But folks, what it can mean inside of us when we're being what God's called us to be, doing what, what God's called us to do. So my, my first story goes back a pretty long time, July 1985. I was in Georgia, not Atlanta Braves, Georgia. Georgia, Georgia, the Soviet bloc nation. Uh, it was one of the nations in, in what made up the Soviet Union. There is a, a nation called Georgia, and I was in the capital of that nation, Tbilisi, and I was wa- walking down the street. I had three friends with me. There was four of us. And as we're walking down the street, this middle-aged guy comes up to us. I'm pretty sure he'd been drinking uh, for a lot of reasons. And he was very loud, boisterous. He was, he was cussing. And, uh, and he approached us wanting something. And we'd been in the Soviet Union. I mean, we were going from nation. I'd been in Russia and our, Armenia, bouncing around from different nations. And uh, so we'd gotten used to this. What, what they want is anything we'll give them because American stuff sold well on the black market. And you know what the two primary things they wanted were? Jeans, especially Levi's. They wanted Levi jeans and they wanted a Bible. A Bible would sell for 500 rubles. On the black market. That's over $500. That's what, that's what the black market would pay for a Bible. Interesting, isn't it? So he's come up and he's approached us about this. And uh, I'm trying to make a long story short here. We, we redirected the conversation and kind of sent it in a new way. And pretty quickly there, we, we, we were talking about Jesus. And, and so myself and one other, there was four of us. But two of us went back to this guy's apartment. And an hour and a half later... He prayed to receive Christ. And it, I tell you, it was exciting. I was there for five weeks traveling around, and that was the only person that prayed to receive Christ with us. It was an entirely different experience from sharing in America at that time in the 80s where you could assume when you started talking about Jesus that, that they had a belief in God, an understanding of God. They, they had some knowledge of Scripture. But when you went there and everybody's an atheist, I mean, you can't assume anything. And I would say we had 50 We had 50 significant God conversations. And I think about half of them, we moved the ball forward. 
You know, we, we move toward a, 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 an understanding, a possible belief in God. But we had the one that, that prayed to receive Christ. Well, that was our last night in Tbilisi. So we didn't get to spend any time with them. We gave them some material. And when I say material, I'm talking about like two, two or three little pamphlets just little things to kind of help him understand the decision he'd made and, and, and some things to help him begin growing in his, in his walk with the Lord. And so uh, we left the next morning, fly to Baku, Azerbaijan. I'm sure another country you're very familiar with and uh, went there. Well, when we got back to America, uh, gave his name and his contact information to uh, a missionary with the organization that we had gone over there with because they would go back. And they would follow people up and, and, and try to get them discipled and, and see what they could do to, to get them connected. And so there would be people who would go back. And so fast forward again, 20 years later, two decades later, this guy walks up to me. And I don't even remember where it was. I, I, everything I'm saying now, I'm mostly just making it up. <laughs> I think maybe we were in a mission conference. I, I just don't, I don't remember. But, but this guy walks up to me and he says... Were you in Tbilisi, Tbilisi, Georgia in the, in the mid-80s? And I, you know, first I was like, who are you and why do you want to know? It's almost just, it's just a weird question, right? And, and, and so I was like, yeah, why? And he said, well, I am the missionary uh, with the organization that you went with, and I'm the one you gave the follow-up information on the guy you led to the Lord in, in Tbilisi. And I was going, wow. And then I was like, man, I'm sorry I didn't recognize. Even after he shared that, I didn't recognize him, to be completely honest with you. And, uh, but he goes, well, listen, the only reason I probably remember you or recognize you is not so much because of you. He said, but I, I've always remembered your name and face because of the person you gave us. He said, we went back and we followed him up. And he said, in all my years of working in the Soviet Union, I never saw a person like that take off in the Lord. He said, man, we, we, could do, we could not do enough. We could not get him enough material. He just began growing and thriving in the Lord. And for the next five, six, seven years that it was still a Soviet bloc country, uh, pretty soon what happened is anybody that came to Christ in Georgia, they gave that person's name to him. He would follow. And when I say nation, you know, we think of big nation like the United States. Georgia, the nation, actually is about the size of Georgia, the state. And so he'd get that person's name, he'd go follow him up. Whenever he got a couple of believers in one area, he'd pull them together and, and, and get a meeting as a Bible study and then an underground church. And, and seriously, folks, whoever knew the most verses was named pastor. I mean, because it's just, you know, there's just nothing there. And, but, I mean, but then he used this phrase. He said, you know, he became pastor to that whole nation. That'll help you through some bad days. That'll get you through some bad days. You know, there's, there's some of you in here right now. You're, you're in a bad season of life. Oh, and there's a, lots and lots of reasons we can be in a bad season in life. With our, with our marriage, our kids, our finances, with something going on at job. Maybe it's really just internal. They don't have a sense of... Why I'm here, what I'm doing, and nothing ever adds up. I'm tired of praying about it. I'm tired of trying to make something out of this. We can get so bogged down into temporary. And temporary doesn't mean not real. You can be going through very, very real things that hurt. But it is temporary. And I tell you, when you have a moment like that in your life, 
it really lifts you up and reminds you there's an eternal. It really reminds you, hey, God will use me to do some things that count and that count forever. There are so many people, so many people in the church, so many people that call themselves friends of God. This week, you're going to charge out into the world and through your job, through your relationships, through your achievements, you're going to try to tell yourself that you have meaning and that you have purpose and, and that your life counts for something and you're using something that was never designed to work. And then you wonder, why am I, why am I frustrated? Why, why is it nothing, nothing ever coming together? God gave you an identity. You are my witnesses. You speak on behalf of heaven. And we run after, think of the things we run after trying to say that I'm, I'm going to do something important on planet earth. Uh, one more story. I'd tell this one really quick. So couldn't be any different. It, 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 it's not a middle-aged guy drinking and cussing on a city street. It's this cute little girl in, in high school, and we were friends. And so I went over to pick her up, and, and uh, I, I pulled up into her driveway in my 1980 Berlinetta Camaro, metallic gold, spoke wheels. I mowed 17,000 yards to buy that car. And... Uh, Pulled up, and of course, when you pull up in a car like that, you know, I'm the dude. I got this. And uh, so I, I, I pulled up, and she came out the, the front door. And uh, boy, I mean, as soon as she came out the door, physically, I mean, visibly, she, she was upset. And uh, she gets into the, into the car. And I don't think she planned on telling us. I don't think she ever planned on telling us. It's just kind of one of those moments where the dam breaks. You know what I'm talking about? It just, it, oh. And she starts to tell me about her family life and her home and, and, and just the, the abuse, the dysfunction, and, and, and what's going on in there. And it's just, it just a very broken moment. And, I, man, you know, just as a quick reminder, I was not born a 54-year-old pastor, okay? I'm a 17-year-old kid sitting there in my really cool car. And not wanting to answer, not ready to answer questions like this. I didn't know... I, you know, I mean, at some point she stopped talking and looked at me like, well, and, and I'm like, and, and at the moment I would say, I don't know why I did this. I mean, today I would say the Holy Spirit led me to do this, but I, I got out of my, uh, my glove compartment. I had, a, I had a gospel tract and, and I just started reading. I didn't ask her if she wanted me to read it to her. I said, well, hey, I didn't give any kind of explanation of what I was. I just, I just opened and just started reading. And the first point was God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Now, she's just told me what a disaster life is. Oh, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Didn't really think about whether that matched or not. But I, 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 just, I just read through the gospel. And, you know, she prayed, she prayed to receive Christ with me that day. It was December 27th, 1982, as I remember it. And uh, she went on, especially as, as she left the home and, and went on to college, to really grow in the Lord and had a, had a tremendous passion for, for sharing the gospel, for, for being, uh, being that witness. And, you know, she would tell you today, probably the greatest therapy, probably the greatest healing that came to her life from what she had been through was just simply in being a witness. It gave a, a sense of direction, a sense of purpose, a sense, a, a sense of confidence and strength that didn't come from her home but came from her identity in Christ in being that, that witness. It was so cool to watch. I just went ahead and married her. Yeah, yeah, the whole, 
Listen, the whole witnessing thing has worked out pretty well for me. I'm just going to be, going to be, be honest with you there. You are a witness wherever life takes you. And boy, if those two stories don't tell you about two totally different places you can end up and why you might be trying to get a sentence out, you, you, you are a witness. And you know what? If you try to be that witness, you'll end up in some complex situations. You'll want to know more. You'll want to get better. But don't give away a thousand places and opportunities to speak one sentence. Man, I know that's hard. I, I, I'll be praying for you. One sentence. May I tell you, I've been through something like that. And I really found God to be very great, faithful and helpful. One sentence. Hey, you know what? I, I don't know that I can give you an answer to that. But would you like to come to church with me and see a place where I am getting some answers? One, one sentence. Hey, if you're new to the heights, you need to know something about our gathering. We, we value being a witness. We value reminding each other. Challenging each other, training each other, inspiring each other that when we walk out that door, we're looking for an opportunity this week to speak that one sentence, right? Just one sentence. Where do I go to get trained? Where do I go to learn the verses? All I know is when Jesus said, you are my witnesses, they had none of that. Will you just speak a witness about what you know? One sentence. You are my witnesses. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I would, I would pray for every single person here who claims the name of Christ. This week, they will be a witness for you. God, open up my eyes, my ears to hear and to see, to be sensitive to the conversations, to be sensitive to the things being communicated. God, I'm sorry I have not wanted to speak that sentence. God, help me help us this week to want to speak that sentence. Oh, Lord, how exciting to see what you'll do with one sentence. How exciting to see what you'll do when 2,000 people in one community are speaking one sentence this week in 2,000 relationships, 2,000 situations. God bless the one sentence. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.